Okay, I'm here with Stephanie Larkin, who is the head penguin at Red Penguin Books. <laughs> and actually, what I know about Stephanie is that she's a writer as well. And I'm not sure I explained to you that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. And it's clear, well, you'll have to correct me, but I think it's clear that you make your living and your life with the art of words. Thank you. And I'm so glad you recognize that the art of words is an art. Yes, I do, actually. I, I, I love all arts. I really do. I'm a, I'm a huge lover of the arts. I actually am a musician um, besides being in the art of words. But thank you for knowing that words are an art, too. You're welcome. Um, so I only asked one question. But now that you brought up that you're a musician, well, we'll see where it goes. This sure. is the question I asked. How did the art or arts to which you are giving your life get started? What was the very first moment in your life when you were drawn to words or to music that it called you, um, that seemed interesting or compelling? Do you know? Sure. You know, I, I think it was more of an evolution, and I'm so grateful that I had parents that encouraged it. I was a musician from a young age and a dancer. So a musician from a young age, what instrument and what age? Uh, my first instrument was the violin, but because I went to music school, I actually can play, well, I mean, I hate to say all of them, but that's what they do to you in music school is they make you learn all of them. My favorites that I play nowadays are usually the piano. I also play the organ, the guitar, the violin, the flute, the cello. I mean, a laundry list. Oh, my God. So I was not right. Um, so much of your life is dedicated to the art of music. Absolutely. And I was a dance minor in college also because I love the art of dance. Um, my, my husband, I happened to marry someone who has a degree in the theater. And um, now one of our sons is a musician, a visual artist, and a theater person. I've always been involved. And that's why I said, for me, it's not just the art of words that I'm in love with. It's actually about giving people an opportunity and a voice. And whether that voice is in a poem or in a play or in a novel or in a song, I'm all for it. Okay, all right. So, but back up for me. When was the first time you picked up an instrument? And do you remember, or danced, or sang, or whatever? <laughs> really? I mean, were you two? Were you eight? Were you? I, um, I was like two. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. So, did you start to uh, hum stuff from the radio? Did you? Did, was there a piano in the house? Did you? Yeah. No, I I took ballet when I was two. Ah, so maybe and, first. Ballet, dance was first. I was doing ballet. You wait, know what wait, I did? Wait, wait, Two is very young for ballet, isn't it? Well, I mean, baby ballet. They didn't put us on point shoes at two. <laughs> Julie, but so did you start dancing around the house or did your mother think, I mean, I don't know. How did you wind up in ballet school at two? It's not that common. Well, you know, probably, and this is not to throw my mother under the bus, but she was probably looking for something that she could drop me off at in the afternoons. <laughs> um, my stepfather, 
who uh, my mother was married to, is a ballroom dancer. So we get it honest. We get it from the whole rigmarole. So I'm not surprised she put me in dance class when I was two. Do you remember liking it? Or oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved everything about it. The shoes, the piano player in the corner, the outfits. What's not to like? No, but what's interesting about you is that it seems like whatever it was that when it called you, you gave your whole self to it. So it started with dance, right? Yes, it started with dance. You're right. And then from there, it went into music. I learned when I was in grade school, I was in the marching band playing the glockenspiel, you know, the bells and ended up becoming a classical violinist. So it all kind of built one yeah, again. This is a lot of stuff. So um, I'm imagining that uh, school, the, the years of school were just jam packed for you. I mean, you're going from one class to another class to another performance to another thing. Is, is that accurate? Yes, pretty much. Um, I ended up having to give up dance when I was about 13. And, and this actually pushed me more into the music end of things. I loved dance. I ended up having a I'll, I'll call it an injury of sorts. Um, my teenage years, I wasn't able to dance. I wasn't even able to walk. I had six operations when I was a teenager. Now I walk. I do everything. Um, I even take ballet classes as, a, as an adult now. But um, I had to stop. And my mother, who I credit so much of my life with, thought I'd be depressed because I could no longer walk. So she really pushed me into music. That's when I took up the violin and really became a very focused, at the time, classical musician because, honestly, Lynn, I could not walk from the time I was about 13 until I was almost 19. I was in music school. I have degrees in music and music theory and, and orchestral conducting and wait, all wait. sorts. What is music school? Uh, like college. Oh, oh, you majored in music. I did. Amazing. Yes, okay. I, I, I majored in music and, uh, and I, I still work as a performing musician because it's in my blood. So I will never stop. Where are you performing? What kind of performances do you do? Oh, well, that depends. Um, I mean, it could be in a dinner theater. It could be in a nursing home or a hospital. It could be in a church. It could be what also. Do you, what, oh, so you, do you play? Is that? I mean, do you play piano? Is that what? You're I, I play. I also sing. Of course. So, <laughs> so I mean, I love singing like Frank Sinatra in the classics. If a dinner theater calls me, I'm right there. Put a little brandy snipper on my piano. But I also do like we just got out of the holidays, and I was doing a lot of church music. But I've made room in my life for books. <laughs> Did that happen? The writing, the words, when did they come into your life? Because it doesn't sound like there was a lot of space for them, you know? Right. One would think, although I was a composer too, so I would write music. And writing music, of course, involves lyrics many times if you're writing songs. So that gets you right into that. It also gets you into things like musicals and opera, which brings you into the theater. Yes. And I really ended up with words because of 
that theatrical bent. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go in through novels. I went in through plays. Yes, it's wonderful. Ling, you'll find out I don't actually sleep at night because I I, I'm one of these people that everything I do, I have a passion for. No, it's very clear. It's very clear. And, and it isn't that I do a lot. It isn't only that. It's that you have so many of them. Yes. You know, if you were a passionate musician, okay, fine. You know, if you were a passionate musician who, who wrote poems on the side. But that's not how it is for you. Uh, no, no. I, I, go, I go head first. Yes. And it, at this point in my life, I am very, very fortunate that I have, um, I have a wonderful staff because we're running a, a publishing company here. And every time I have a new little project going on or if I have too many performances to do or whatever it might be, I have a wonderful staff of people here who pick up my slack. <laughs> um, you are such an amazing role model. Everybody should know this skill. Everyone, everyone should know this skill. Okay, fine, but you still have not told me how you got into the written word. I mean, books are right behind you. This I know, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And did you read a lot when you were a kid? I, I read everything in the world when I was a kid. I, I was in love with Louisa May Alcott, and I must have read Little Women 700 times, and poetry, and the theater, and all of those things. Actually, there's another little bend in the road here. From a business perspective, I suddenly, about... Uh, 15, 16 years ago, got very much involved in computers. And it's a funny thing that musicians and computers go together very well. Musicians um, understand technology. And it it just kind of is that same right brain kind of a thing. Um, I ended up starting a technology company. We would do websites for businesses and organizations. And it was a completely accidental forming because I was working as a musician. And you'll love this because this is the way life is. And I I kind of tell people, go with it. My husband was running a, a nonprofit organization and had a big problem. The treasurer of the organization embezzled all the money. That's a big problem. Yes, a big problem. So one night at dinner, and this is when I was literally um, working as a a performing musician, which I still am because I can't stop things. He looked across the table at me, my husband, and he said, we have a problem. We have no money (laughs) because the guy (laughs) took all the money. And he said, and he was in charge of the website. And now I can't hire somebody. So I said, "Eh, I'll do it. How bad could it be? I, I could figure it out. So I figured it out. And of course, somebody heard, oh, you know how to do that. So so I did theirs. And then I did somebody. Well, after doing about five of them, a friend of mine said, you know, you should really incorporate. So I said, well, that's a good idea. So I formed a corporation. And all of a sudden, we had clients. And I had to hire staff. And, and we're still here doing all that. By the way, we still run that technology company. Um, and our book end kind of grew out of that tech end because I am such an artist. Um, our, our website company ended up doing a lot of work for authors and for the National Writers Union and for lots of different writers who needed tech help. Right. 
So I was doing tech help for writers. And one day, uh, the National Writers Union had invited me to be a keynote speaker talking about technology for writers. And I sat there listening to the other speakers, waiting my turn. And I sat there in the back and I said, I could do that. <laughs> I gave my speech and I came home from the meeting and I said to Kira and my husband, I said, you know what? We're going to open a publishing company. <laughs> and he said, don't you do enough? I said, I just feel like this is the right thing to do. I said, I said, we already have this tech company going. It'll just be like a little offshoot. So we did. And this little offshoot grew. I had no idea how much it was going to grow. All of a sudden now, now part of it is pandemic related because we have um, at least doubled in size during the course of the lockdown. Um, maybe because people are home writing. Maybe because yes, yes, they're reading, they're writing. And also because of the lockdown, we used to kind of just have all of our clients were right here. Mm -hmm. And now they're all over the world. Yes. So we now have authors in 27 countries. We are on every continent except for Antarctica. <laughs> Before the lockdown, we were publishing maybe two books a month. And now we average two books a week. Oh, my gosh. We all have something inside. Yes. And it needs to come out, whether it comes out in music. And for many people, they listen to music, and that's enough. But music, art, I collect art. I love, you know, visual arts. Whatever it is, we all have an artistic bent in us. And during the lockdown, now we have formed writers groups that are meeting at different times on zoom all over the world we have different programs to get people involved because we all have that inside so i i just love empowering people and giving them a voice and all of these books behind me were were once they were just a dream somebody actually like dreamt about writing this and now they're on a shelf it's so cool. You're a cheerleader. Yes, very much so. So let me see if I got the chronology. You went to college and you majored in music. Yeah. And, and then, and apparently, from what I understand is that you actually um, defined yourself as a musician, a yes. performer and a musician, right? And that's what you sort of went out into the world to do. Mm -hmm. And you were successful at it because you were playing and singing and doing performances. And then your husband said this thing to you about the computer and you said, oh, well, let me look at that. Is that right? And then that morphed into Penguin Books, right? Yeah. And it's only just begun, apparently, because... There's more to go, yes. There's much more to go. <laughs> right. It's really wonderful. You did say early in the, in when we were talking that your parents encouraged you. Yes. Could you say a little bit more about that? I was encouraged to do what made me happy. Does money help? Of course. But I see too many people, whether they are my age with children or they were my friends who had parents, and their parents said no. That so grieves me because, you know, people should do what they want to do. 
And and even when it comes to money, I, I know parents try to be very practical about things, but not everybody honestly needs the same amount of money to live. There are many people who are very happy living a much lesser lifestyle because they're doing what they want to do. And that's the important thing. I really, really hate when when parents want to encourage your, your child to major in, you know, accounting. Now, maybe if they want to, but I, I should not have been an accountant. Now, <laughs> uh, I happen to be very good at math, but really, I would have been miserable as an accountant. Yes, and um, I think the point you're making is that lots of people are miserable at what they do because they didn't get what you got. Right. I always highlight just what you're saying because it's so clear that people who are happy with their life are people who had parents who let them be who they were. And I interview artists because in this culture, we're so hard on artists that when you are an artist, it's because that's who you really are and you couldn't be anything else. Right? Exactly. And you are actually the poster child for that. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, life is funny. You know, someone might look at me and say, well, you know, you you run a company. I run a company because of everything that came before that experience. And that's who I am today. I have clients, authors who are 92 years old. And for the first time in their life, they are getting to express themselves in their book who they really are. Because for 92 years, they've been doing the safe thing or the thing they were told to do or, or the path that was made for them, whether it was deliberately, you know, some parents are more, you will do this. And sometimes it's just a societal expectation. But they might be 90 years old and they come to me because they want to say what they want to say. And you're describing, of course, the dilemma for so many people. There's, this is what my parents need me to be, and this is what the society told me to be, and this is what people won't like if I'm not, and this <laughs> is what it cost me to do this, and this is how I lost that because I was doing it. And all of that contrasting with who I am, and not a lot of support for be who you are. You're preaching to the converted here. I'm sure I am. And you know, it's so funny. Everybody wants to have beautiful paintings on the walls and they want to hear lovely music on the radio and they want all of the things that the arts bring. People want to go to a Broadway show. They want to watch movies. They want to see the Nutcracker, but not my child. I'm not going to let them do it. Or you have the other thing, which is, oh, that's very sweet, honey. I love to watch you sing and dance, but what are you going to do for a living? Right, you know? right. Yeah, right, I know. And, and so many of the people that I talk to have had parents who encouraged them or had teachers who encouraged them. I have a number of stories where it was a teacher who said, you know, you can do this. You would be good at this. You should try this. And, and, they, and they got it there. If you don't get it anywhere, you may have to wait until you're 92 and then you have to write to Stephanie. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes people have to just get it from within. You know, sometimes people have to be their own biggest cheerleader. It's nice if you have cheerleaders around you, 
but not everyone has. And some, you know, you get to a point that you say, I guess I have to be my own mentor, cheerleader, encourager. Well, you know, you're talking to a therapist here. Essentially, that is all a therapist is trying to do is to help someone who didn't get that find it inside. But it can be very scary because it can mean turning your back on what the people who were the most important in your life wanted or felt comfortable with. It is absolutely possible. If the, if the thing is that strong in you, great that you had the parents that you did, but given what you have inside of you, you would have done some, if not all of this anyway. Right. No, I'm sure that you're right, but it was a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a <laughs> lot easier. You were for encouraging parents. That's you were actually paying the tuition. It was yes. great. <laughs> oh, and how many parents say, you know, if you, if you, don't, if you don't major in education, I'm not paying for your education. Right, 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 right. And you would think that the people in my life today know who I am and what I stand for. When my son was going off to college, people would say to me, I can't believe you're going to let him major in theater. And I said, did you just hear what you said? (laughs) Crazy. So I always ask this question, and in a way you have already answered it, but think back on this extraordinary career. I mean, I know that you think that you're fortunate and there's no question about it. In so many ways, the fact that you knew what drew you as young as you did and continue to is extraordinary and that you had encouragement is all wonderful. (laughs) So just look back on the the arc of your career and Mm -hmm. tell me what you think about it, what it means to you, what you want to say about it, anything that occurs to you. Sure. Well, looking back, I guess I have, I have two things that I look back on. Um, One is what we were talking about with how you treat others based on your own experiences, Um, whether it is a parent-child relationship Or just, I am very fortunate that so many people come to me with manuscripts or whatever. And I know that that is their entire heart and soul poured out on a Word doc. And I am so respectful of that. Because I also know how difficult it might have been for them to even press send on an email. Because that's like your baby. So I think that looking back on my whole trajectory has has definitely made me want to be incredibly supportive and sensitive to other people who are on that trajectory. But the other thing that it, it has shown me, and this is for myself even going forward and anyone else who's listening, is that life is funny. <laughs> and And I certainly could not have known that I was going to end up here. It was definitely not a straight line. It was a lot of this and that, a lot of circumstance. Honestly, Lynn, if if, uh, if Kieran's treasurer did not embezzle thousands of dollars, I don't know what I would be doing today. I might still just, and I don't mean just be a performer as if there's anything wrong with that, but that wrench that at the time was a terrible, terrible thing set me up for this wonderful life. And I'll go back even one further. I mentioned to you that I was handicapped as a teenager. 
Now, if that hadn't happened, how different would my life be today? Well, because of that incident, um, I became much more of a musician than I was. I also, um, because I was in the middle of operations and, and therapies and such, had to stay closer to home and didn't get to do certain things. It totally changed my trajectory. If I never had that happen, would I be in the ballet? In which case, at my age, I would have had to retire from the ballet because, like, I don't know. I don't know. But it was a terrible thing when it happened. But, and I, and I certainly credit my mother to the mindset shift. When it happened, I literally was on crutches for six years. And my mother, her attitude was, oh, well, so you want to learn to play the violin? Like, like, this is the hand we have been dealt. What are we going to do about it? And, you know, that's both of those things, whether it's the embezzlement of the money, the, the being handicapped, life sometimes does not seem fair. But the path, if you are open and you have that mindset of, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. Let's go with it. It's kind of like they say that if you're ever caught in a riptide out in the ocean, don't fight it. You're supposed to swim with it, but gradually towards the direction you want. You might end up two miles further away on the shore. But if you don't fight it, you will end up on the shore. If you fight it, you're going to exhaust yourself and you're going to drown. And that is, that is an amazing metaphor to use for this. It's perfect. You know, so I, that's what I look at my, you said, looking back on my life, I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow, the next, you know, 20, 40 years. But I hope that I've embraced that lesson, that whatever happens, that I should kind of let that carry me towards what I want. But I don't know what the path is next. Who knows? I didn't know that this was the path. But I love what I do. I'm glad I'm here. Stephanie, that, that is a perfect place to stop. Thank you so much. This was quite extraordinary. Thank you so much for having me. And I love what you do because what you do in empowering people, finding the tools within themselves, Lynn, like in the end of The Wizard of Oz, when Glinda says to Dorothy, it's not the shoes. You always had it within yourself. You just didn't know it. That's what you do. And that's so incredibly important that you give that to people that you uncover it so that they have it within themselves. So I can't thank you enough for all that you do. Thank you, sweetheart. That's, that's wonderful.